the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Our series is called Meet Your God. Last week, we took a look at the Trinity in general. This week, we break it down, and we start with the Father. Join us. Truth For Today is up next. From Valley Bible Church in Hercules, this is Truth For Today with our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard. Hi there. Welcome to our series called Meet Your God. Today, we focus in on the Father. Who is our Heavenly Father? And why do we need to understand what God has revealed of Himself? Let's catch up with our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard, and find out, shall we? Here's Pastor Phil now with today's broadcast of Truth For Today. We're going to look at God the Father tonight. I got to looking at the passages. In the New Testament, there's maybe two to 300 passages. In the whole Old Testament, you get thousands. So I'm being selective tonight on pointing out the different things the Father is said to do for us. I think sometimes when believers pray, they just pray in this big glob, God, God. And they're not even thinking. I hear people praying to the Holy Spirit. You're not supposed to pray to the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? Find me one verse to pray to the Holy Spirit. You're not supposed to do it, but we do it all the time. And I I hear um, people, you're modalistic. Most churchgoers are modalistic. There's just one God up there that sometimes if you like him, uh, you call him Jesus. And if you don't, he's that Old Testament father. It's all conglomerate. You want to get clear. There's three persons. And so we just are going to take one at a time. And to show you uh, now these works of God the Father, many times uh, all three members of the Godhead are involved in the same activity. Each one does a different part. But there's ways you could point out the Father did this, the Father did that. And uh, we want to uh, kind of point that out. When you talk about the fatherhood of God, we often hear the fatherhood of God, the brotherhood of all men. So everybody is God's child. Well, let's look at four ways fatherhood is used just to get started. And the first way is that God is called father by virtue of the fact he's the creator. And uh, Every good gift comes down from the Father above, of whom there is no shadow of turning. And uh, you'll see this even in Malachi. He talks about we have one Father. And he's talking about humanity as creator God. Acts 17, God made all of the human race. So it's used that way. So if you said all of us were, could call God Father in the creator sense, that's accurate. That would be true. Uh, another way it's used is it's the name of an intimate relationship in the Old Testament, primarily used with Israel. Hosea 11.1, 1, 
I call my son Israel out of Egypt. Uh, Exodus 4, he talks about calling Israel the nation his son. He is their father. Psalms 103, as a father pitieth his children, so God pities those that are his. And so it's used of an intimate relationship, but primarily God is the father of the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. The third way Jews is he's called the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, I'll probably deal with that more as I develop a message on the Son. Just do not get that language, Father, Son, as the Father being first in existence and the Son not. Now, let me say something. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit each are designated their roles and their titles, but they all three agreed upon the roles that each one would play. And in the Trinity, there's something that is known as the economical relationship. Two terms, ontological, economical. The ontological relationship is in their being, all three persons of the Godhead are equal, co-eternal. Economical relationship means how they have chosen to relate to each other and to creation. And so you'll see the Father being the one who sends the Son. The Father is never seen to submit to the Son. The Son submits to the Father. Both the Father and the Son send the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. He submits to them. They never submit under Him. It's the arrangement, the household arrangement, as it were, of where authority and functions would lie. And so, my Father is greater than I in authority. In my humanity, I'm in total submission to Him. And so, the Father is seen to be the source. The Son is the intermediate agency. And the Holy Spirit is the instrumental cause. When God does something, I, I just saw this illustrated today. At the table, had all my children there, and uh, in-laws and grandchildren. If you have a good cook, you can always have company. And they were there, and, and I said to one of my son-in-laws, pass me something. They did, but before, because the table's so long, before it ever got to me, someone else had to handle it. You'd ask, who sent the food to me? Well, one was the source, but they used another person, and it got to me. All I was interested in, you know, is that it got to me. But uh, source... Intermediate agency, instrumentality. So in the Trinity, we have the Father's, the source, the Son is the intermediate agency. And that's what happened in creation. All three members of the Godhead were involved in the creation. The Father, source, the Son, the agent, Holy Spirit decorated the heavens. And on and on. God is called, the first person is called the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ but it does not mean procreation. It means equality of nature, and one is given greater authority. And then the fourth usage, and I think the one we're the most familiar with, is he's the God and Father of all who believe in Jesus Christ. John 1.12, to as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the sons of God. And so, if you're born again, 
You're born into a family in which God becomes your father, the Lord Jesus, your elder brother. Now, uh, let me, uh, I'm just selecting here. I mean, out of 500 to 1,000 verses, I just had to select. So bear with my bias picks. Uh, the father's activities. Let's just, I won't look at all of these, but just to, I mean, from creation, he resurrects. He sent the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Uh, you know, he's the giver of peace and hope. Look at that in Romans. Uh, that the Father is seen to be the one that does that. 15.5, may the God, when you see the God, or just God, normally, if it's not qualified, it's normally the Father that's being spoken of. But of course, you've got your little chart on the different spellings in the Old Testament. You know if it's Elohim, Yahweh, or Adonai. But when it's just God, it's usually the Father. Sometimes it's not. May the God. So I like to, when I'm reading the Bible, since I'm a Trinitarian, I like to know which member he's talking about. It's just, I like that. So I understand, may the God, God the Father, who gives endurance and encouragement, give you a spirit of unity among yourselves. So he gives endurance, encouragement. And look at verse 13, uh, my favorite counseling verse. May the God of depression, what does yours say? What's hope? What's hope? It's always future, isn't it? Hope is future. And for the believer, it's the present confidence, present confidence that my future is good. We get better. Now, why do I say this is my favorite verse in counseling? People come in, the primary thing they always need is hope. She's packed, she's leaving. I'm in debt, the kids are going wild, I'm broke. And I made an appointment with you. I spent all my money on the good counselors. And since you're free, I'm now looking at you. Do something. Quick. And I read him this verse. May the God who gives hope fill you with all joy and peace. Now, don't you think of, you know, now watch this means. Watch. As you... This is the only part you got to do in this verse. You just do one thing in this whole verse, and God does all the other. You trust. As you trust, while you are believing in the Greek, while you're believing, while you're trusting in him, so that, now if you're trusting, so that you may overflow with hope. Now notice the agency and the means of it. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Who gives it to you? The Father. What does he do? He tells the Holy Spirit to do something in you. The fruit of the Spirit control that produces in you your emotional life. You become a person of peace, joy, and hope. And God the Father is the source of it. If you've got hope today, it's God the Father that's giving it to you. And we all need hope. I love that. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. God the Father is faithful. He says the same thing in 1 John 1, 9. God is faithful 
to forgive you, and he's righteous to forgive you. Two marvelous works that the Father said to be the author of. Uh, do you ever need encouragement? Well, you sound like you're wore out. I can't even hear any breathing out there. Listen to this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the source, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Is that not a beautiful verse? You know why God's letting you have this present trial? It gives him an opportunity to comfort you because he's setting you up to go encourage one of his other children with the comfort he's going to give you in your trial. And as soon as you heal up, you go over and tell another child of God where you got encouraged. I just hate me being the model he works on before I can encourage you. God comforts his people, and he's the source of it. This is God the Father. Marvelous. If you get comforted, have you ever been in a situation where nobody could bring comfort? I mean, um, some of the tragedies of life, there is no human words that can alleviate the tragedies of life. One of our sisters telling us about the young lady that was abducted and uh, raped and all this stuff. How do you comfort a mother about her child being abducted, kidnapped, and raped? What do you walk through the door to say? None of you may have those assignments. What do you say? Oh, read some poetry. Uh, preach a little. I'm going to tell you it's absurd. None of us can comfort like God the Father. For no one has ever given up and seen their son more mistreated than God the Father. He knows how to comfort you. <laughs> and he says, it's my job. Let me do it. And then he tells us, by the way, I'm just comforting you because I'm setting you up to be a comforter. By the way, let me ask you this. If somebody needed comfort, would they call you? See, a lot of folks not looking. <laughs> not, no, no, why not? Some of you are getting older and crankier. And I can't find any Bible for old and cranky. You know, sometimes this generation gap is as you get older, I just can't stand the young people. We built this building. What are they doing using it? We're stuck with them as long as this church stays fruitful and multiplies. We're stuck with kids. Kid, get with it. I want you to know the joy of the Lord. <laughs> Could you comfort a young person? Would you? Or does that person have to be as old as you to get your comfort? You know, the best comforters in the church ought to be the grayheads. They've lived through the most. They've experienced the most. And I have found in my life, it's always been normally people older than me that brought me the most comfort. Because they had lived some life, they have been comforted, they've been given hope, and they pass it on. As we get older, we ought to become greater comforters and greater encouragers. 
Now, the Holy Spirit is sent to be a comforter and a counselor, but here it's God the Father comforts us in all of our trials. I, and you know, I love the James passage that when you need wisdom, when you're in trials and you can't figure out which way to go, go to God the Father and he'll give you wisdom and he will not upbraid you. And the word there means to verbally rebuke you for being such a bozo as to be in the trial. Have you ever uh, uh, had to ask somebody for help and uh, you, you took the help and then you, you blew it again and you need to go back. But the second time you knew you wouldn't get help, you'd get a lecture. Why didn't you do it right the last time? So what do you do? You just quit going because you don't want a lecture. You want help. God says anytime you need wisdom because you don't know which way to turn in the trials of life, come to him. He'll give you wisdom, not a lecture. Because dumb sheep make the same mistakes over and over and over again. And he's raising a bunch of dumb sheep. And that's what he calls his family. Our dad used to introduce us boys as he's a good boy. The soft spot just never healed up. But they don't mean any harm. What a way to meet your dad's friends. You got a lot of candy that way. They thought you were, you know, afflicted some way. Our affliction was our dad. Uh, look at Ephesians 1 3. Uh, um, yeah, well, 1 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. <laughs> Is that profound? God the Father has put you in Christ and every spiritual blessing you could ever have, he says, seek and tarry and you'll get it. Or is that what mine says? You got it. See, some of you ready to run up here and start tarrying. You, you just took the bait. No, blessed is a past tense. In the heavenly realm. You've got more up there than you even realize. And that's why I said you need to set your affection on things above and not on things on the earth. You know what most people talk about as believers? Uh, they talk about their job, about their hobbies, about uh, this is wash day. We've got to get that lawn cut. got to get the oil changed. Oh, uh, we've got to pay that bill. Stuff of the earth, stuff of the earth, talking about your job talking about your kids. It's one about kids, but do you ever think about your spiritual blessings that can never change, that are permanently yours up there? God the Father has blessed you with all of that. It was his choosing. Look at, we go on. Uh, well, I'm supposed to save it to the last, so I'll be, I'll obey my notes. Um, the Father and the Son, um, the Father is honored when the Son is honored. And we looked at that a little bit in John 5, 23. I love it. You cannot get a wedge between the Father and the Son in the Scriptures. If you honor the Son, you've honored the Father. If you honor the Father, you'll honor the Son. He will not let them be divided. They are one. Uh, I love John 14, 21. He who loves the Son shall be loved of the Father. 
The Father loves those who love Christ in an intimate way. The unsaved world, the broader love of God, but the intimate love of God, you have to come to love Christ, and he will love you then. That's where our Romans 8, 28, all things are working together for the good of those who love the Lord. What if I don't love the Lord? Everything's not working for your good. You don't have such a promise. Only those who love the Lord. You have verses like the Father sent the Son. The Father gave His Son. Uh, Look at uh, this passage uh, in Romans 8. You know I love Romans, don't you? And the church said, yes. If you push me too much, I'll start the book again. I don't care if I go out preaching Romans. Uh, Roaming in Romans. Uh, Look at verse 31. What then shall we say in response to this? What? In the response that we've been called and God's working everything for us. If God the Father is for us, who can be against us? Now watch. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? God the Father. It is God the Father who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died. More than that, who was raised to life. You must know that it says the Father spared not his Son. Uh, You hear John 3.16. Who is doing the loving in John 3.16? God the Father. For God the Father so loved the world that he would not even spare his own beloved Son, but he gave up his only begotten. Now hear this word, monogenes, only one of its kind of son. Israel was called a son as a nation. You're a son of God by a new birth and adoption. But God had only one son in this category, the monogenes son, the unique son. He calls him in the Psalms, my darling son. He would not spare his son anything in order to save you. God did not spare. Jesus got no favorite treatment while on the earth by the Father, as it were. When it came to becoming the sacrificial lamb, there was no value, as it were. There were no drugs. Oh, you won't feel this. You're my son. You get uh, deity status treatment in dying. None of that. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. It pleased the Lord for all of this to come because he knew that it was making full atonement So he spared not his son. It must be so hard on God for people who are always tipping God. They've never made a sacrifice about anything towards God. And all of this Christianity started on a sacrifice. And you start getting people negotiating with God. How cheap can I serve you and still be called your child? And God says, I would spare nothing to make you my own. He didn't. Look at Romans 3. To me, the classic passage of all the Bible, if you had to throw out all the Bible, you only kept two verses, 
I would probably say you need to keep these two. Verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely without a cause by his grace through the redemption price that was paid by Jesus Christ. God the Father presented him as a sacrifice of atonement. The word is propitiation. Through faith in his blood, he did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. And with that, we come to the end of our time together here on Truth For Today with our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. As we close out our program today, we would invite you to contact us. Let us know how the broadcast has encouraged you, has ministered to your walk and relationship with Christ. Now, there are a couple of ways that you can contact us. By phone, obviously the easiest, 855-833-9864. Again, simply call 855-833-9864. You can also write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. 94547 is the zip code. Now, the easiest way to get in touch with us would be through our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Now, as you stop by, you'll be able to drop us an email, but then take advantage of the many resource materials we have available, again, there at truthfortodayradio.org. Or, again, simply call 855-833-9864. Would you also bear in mind this radio broadcast is available through listener support. As you link arms with us financially, we are able to continue the ministry here on this radio station. So please consider that as you contact us. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Now,